In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 58th episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or what the show is about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com, or you can go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel. Be sure to download the app or tune in using your favorite podcast app. If you missed last week's show, I interviewed Lily Newman, a self-professed adrenaline junkie, keynote speaker, leadership consultant, ex-BBC journalist, crazy cake baker, and advocate for women in business. And that's only some of her roles. She's consistently challenging women to tear up their life-limiting scripts and to find the freedom to who they really want to be. So be sure to check out that episode from October 1st. And today my guest is Chaya Mystery. Welcome, Chaya. Hi, hello, Amy. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is lovely for me. So listeners, um, I want to give you a little background about Chaya. And first, Chaya, I have to tell you that I love your definition of effective communication, where you say, when our intent matches our impact. And when our communication, when we communicate with clarity, lead with courage and curiosity and have better conversations that create that human connection. Um, That is beautifully described. Mm. Yeah, I think it's this very, very basic um, theory of communication where there's a sender and a receiver. And there's something in the middle that can disrupt what you think you're saying and what is the actual impact. So Mm. if it's effective... Your, your intention follows through to the impact. Yes. You know, and listeners, one of the reasons I'm particularly excited to talk with Chaya today is because we both consider ourselves communication coaches and consultants. And now Chaya was born in England. She's the third generation of migrants who, with roots in India and Africa, now living in the Netherlands. How long have you been in the Netherlands, Chaya? Oh, I've been here for just over 15 years. So oh. We came for two years <laughs> and we're still here. Wow. But, uh, yeah, time goes fast and um, it's it's always difficult to make a plan about what's going to happen in your life. You just ride with it and, you know, go where, where you're happy. Mm-hmm. And we're still here. Yeah, that's a good philosophy. Go where you're happy. Yep. Now, after graduating with a bachelor's degree in psychology, Chai was in public relations from global and local charities to luxury brands, healthcare to academia, engineering to top-end restaurant brands, along with a 15-year career in the oil and gas industry. Chaya now works with leaders and organizations to understand human nature and communicate in a way which works with the complex, unpredictable, messy human beings that we are. (laughs) (laughs) And she does this by coaching and supporting clients to evolve and emerge into strong, confident, authentic communicators. That really rings true for me as well. Just the joy I get helping people 
step into their confidence and their power. Yeah, yeah. Confidence is really, you know, that other side of the coin. We work on the competence. We work on skilling people up, right? But confidence, now that's something else. It's Yeah, you know, one of the things um, people often come to me and say, Amy, well, this coachy, she could you know, really improve her confidence or, you know, a coachy says, Amy, I really want to get more confident. And I realize it's a byproduct of the work I do. And it's also paid off for former boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> they get more confident after going out. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I should put that on Tinder. I will. Yes. <laughs> so the one of the, the one of the topics we may be talking about a couple of different things, listeners. Though we're going to be exploring this idea of human leadership and communication. So, Chaya, if I may, I'd like to start with what does it mean for you to be a more human leader? Yeah. So, I've worked with many leaders in my time, and any everybody has experience of leadership, either being led or leading. And I do think leadership, leadership management. We use these phrases, but I think when you're influencing someone. Um, and you have um, an impact on someone um, you're already leading. But I do think that leadership is felt. So we can have um, ideas, vision, um, aspirations in our minds, but until another person feels that, that's then that's leadership. So and. I mean, we talk about human leadership and I think everybody's an expert in in being human because we are all human. So I always ask, I mean, we can find lots of dictionary definitions about what it is to lead in a human way, um, leading with humanity, with heart, with compassion. But actually, what does it feel like when you've been led by a leader? And um, I love to hear the stories, the real Um, experiences that people have when they're led in a human way and often it's things like being seen being heard and um, it's a mutual relationship yeah so that's really the value that we can have and when we lead in a human way um, we're able to to achieve much more um, than I don't know what the opposite of human leadership is to be honest I've been asked that question before but if we're not leading in a human way, then what are we doing? Yeah. Um, and what are the mechanisms that we're putting in place that prevent us? F- and, and what are the mechanisms that we've grown to use that have prevented us from getting back to the core of who we are and, and getting back to being human? As I was listening to you, what was coming up for me, I was asking myself that question. And what does that mean to be led um, within a human way? And what, and let's go with the assumption that we're mean positively, being led positively, having a positive impact. I would say uh, a sense of safety also is something that, you know, I, I, I would describe as an effective byproduct of being well-led. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about um, that there's things that get in the way. What are some things or what what are, what are ways that people get stuck so i think um it's often difficult to get into a conversation about people being stuck or not being human because we really need to start with the conversation where 
it's preventing us from doing something. And often in corporate, in the corporate world, it's preventing something in the organization. And um, often, I think one of the biggest causes is, is a lack of self-awareness that actually there are patterns in place that people have not realized the impact of something that they do or they say, um, often it's confidence. So I love that you brought up confidence earlier because besides building the communication skills, there's building the confidence to actually stand up and be yourself. And not all environments are uh, conducive to to people being themselves and being no. themselves at work. And I love so, that where you brought up safety, mm-hmm. that psychological safety. Without that, people revert to other mechanisms Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, people talk a lot about psychological safety. So let's talk about that in more detail. So ways that people struggle or get stuck. And when we, we let me clarify that more. So change, correct me if I'm getting it wrong. Ways people get stuck or struggle to be fully human in their leadership. Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, we're all human, but what what are we turning off? What are the, and often it's protecting and coping mechanisms. So I'm working also with like new leaders and managers. So I love this space when a a leader moves into their first leadership role. This is like the magical gold dust moment because before they've got habits. And so I, you know, as a communications professional, I ended up supporting, um, Leaders in the senior roles. Now they've spent years building their ways way up through managerial levels and leadership levels, and they've already got habits that have been coping and protecting mechanisms often. And then it's harder because when the habits are, are formed, and this is how I got here, and this is how I stay here, and this is how we make profits. But now profits are only one of the things that we need in this sort of VUCA world, if you know, volatile, if you know, the VUCA. Uh, yeah. Why don't we repeat it for listeners? Volatile. Oh, I have to remember. Volatile. Uh, unpredictable. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, chaotic. Is it? And what's the A and stand ambiguous. for? Ambiguous. Good job. Yeah. Something, I mean, I may be wrong, but what, what I think is a really good guide is for leaders leaders and leadership to be thinking about more than profits. And we've got to this Fuka world by being focused on profits. Yeah. Um, and we've been talking since the 90s about these, this triple bottom line, profit, people, and planet. So actually, are we leading in a way that grows, sustains? What is it that we want to grow? Is Do we only want to grow profit or do we want to also grow people? And do we want to be able to regrow? Because frankly, we're actually causing a lot of damage rather than than being able to even stay at, at neutral with the planet. So, and that comes into our ability to do business well. And in a VUCA world, businesses are being held to account for more than profit and being aware of that and how we lead through that um, is really important. So yeah, absolutely. There are barriers that get in the way, but remember we are only human and we have learned what has made us feel good or prevented us from feeling bad. And that might be a style of leadership that um, that is a coping and protecting way. And so people have to relearn 
Um, I have to say, I've seen some incredible human leaders and even, you know, for example, Jacinda Ardern is an example, the New Zealand uh, prime minister of someone who shows huge amounts of empathy. Um, she came into that position, though, with an environment that fostered that. So we can only be really mm. fair on people who, who've had those signals. This feels good. This is the right thing to do. And those things that don't feel good. Have we been told um, to not bring our whole self? Have we tried to bring our whole self and then been knocked down or told that's not professional? That 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 phrase not professional has been hugely damaging to mm -hmm. our ability to be human at work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you started to give one example. What are some other examples that you worked with clients on where they've had these limitations or boundaries or challenges and how have you helped them get over them yeah so I think there are there is that boundary of showing one version and being another version of yourself um and that sometimes it's putting on a mask you know mm -hmm. you know stepping out on stage and you're you're almost a different personality um in some environments I've seen where someone will will learn about football because that's what um what the discussion is in the boardroom or contorting ourselves to what we think the organization needs and wants so i did a leadership training in india once and um it was in like tech silicon valley in india so bangalore mm -hmm. and um there, I mean, all of the organizations, you know, big international organizations, they have their campuses and they're all within like a stone's throw of each other. So people can literally move from one organization to another and they learn to adapt and change themselves. So the, uh, one leader asked me in, in the training, okay, so what does this company want me to be? What wow. should I be? Um, and of course, m my reaction is sort of, well, who who are you? What What's your what's inside you what's the real purpose what turns you on what ignites your passions because you'll be great at that and when you lead with that people will shine and people will see that and that'll turn on a light in them which then creates this more human leadership style so but that culture that environment uh, maybe that leadership team had taught that person to change yourself you must change yourself to fit into this this yeah. environment. So, yeah, contorting ourselves into those sort of um, different roles that we play yeah. um, sometimes is preventing us from getting back to uh, being human. I want to ask you in a minute about how practically and specifically you help people to do that. And before it, it makes me think about a lot of times when I meet people and I'm going to work with them. I see there's the professional persona and the personal persona. And I think that we have somehow get taught, you know, never the two shall meet. And I don't know if this is accurate. As an American, I feel like I've come across it more in Europe than in the U.S., although I have worked with Americans who also make that distinction. Tell me if this is accurate. I think that maybe there's different reasons for it. I think one of the reasons is self-protection that if we're playing a role and we're fitting within the boundaries, um, it's safer. We feel perhaps less vulnerable than bringing our full self to work. I think that's, that's one of the theories that 
I, you know, either people are doing unconsciously or, or they were doing it consciously at first and it's just become second nature. And it's such a missed opportunity because it's so much richer when people, you get to be multidimensional. And another thing I want to say before I want to go back to the question, Chaya, and feel free to respond to any of this. I also feel like, I like your opinion on this, COVID has one of the gifts of COVID with so many of us dialing in from our home environments is the reality that we see someone with more dimensions because they have family uh, um, challenges and demands and there's more of that happening. So tell me what your thoughts are on those two things. I agree. COVID has opened us up to um, blending what is work, what is life. It's been a gift in that way, a very painful, life expensive kind of gift. However, um, we've had a chance to look at where our boundaries are and maybe reset what those boundaries are. I think the influence of organizational culture has come to light to understand, well, what were the boundaries who put them there? Um, what is invisible became more visible about what's the culture here? What's, yeah. What is acceptable or not acceptable? Um, the role modeling from leaders became hugely important. Visibility of how, so the, how leaders visibly show up, you know, for example, CEOs showing up in their tracky bottoms in their, um, with, you know, children in the background. Um and I think that certainly helped. The other important piece is that we focus on humans as, as individuals, but we are so interconnected. Um, one of the disadvantages of this industrial era was that it came from the West. It came from individualistic societies. Right. However, there's so much richness in how we are interconnected. And actually what the industrial era did was um, condition out of us our natural human desire to connect and be interconnected. Oh, fascinating. So then the second part, when the question I had, um, how do you specifically help people to, I don't know if reconnect with themselves is the right description, to dare to be more vulnerable, more open, show themselves more fully? Yeah, so I, I do, as I mentioned before, self-awareness, um, starting to get data, get the data, do 360 feedbacks, understand yeah. how you are seen by others, get um, get close to yourself, right? What's your purpose? What are your values? I mean, coaches love to pull out the values sheets. They mean so much because that's your guidance about what you, what you really believe in and and when things are hard, it's often pushing on one of those values or beliefs of yours that it, it, it doesn't fit right with it. So, it. so you start to feel something. And then that leads me to the other one, which is, which is emotions. Like get a grip on emotions because we're not um, thinking beings who happen to feel. We're feeling beings that happen to think. We lead with our emotions. And this I love this, Amy, with improvisation because you – Get in touch with the emotions and even your physical being, actually getting yourself physically into situations and, and reacting to people with your body and mind. Because our 
our brains are not disconnected from the rest of our bodies. So right. really getting in touch with what are the clues in your body that are letting you know when something doesn't feel right? Mm-hmm. Gut feeling. What's your gut feeling? We have a vagus nerve, which is a connection from our, it's, it's part of our normal nervous system, It but it it connects our stomach to our brain. So our our gut is literally telling us yeah. um, when things feel good or don't feel good. So getting in touch with yourself. Okay. Um, Another one is compassion. Let me um, pause here because this is so rich. Mm. So the thing about, um, so so I want to make two comments. I want to come to the improv comment in a second, though. I want to go back to the feelings. Mm. It's shocking having studied nonviolent communication and bringing that into my coaching sessions. It is amazing how limited so many of us are in our fluency of emotions and what we're feeling, what we're needing. Um, so I guess that for listeners, I would recommend and encourage you to pick up books on nonviolent, nonviolent communication, watch YouTube videos. There's so much available out there. And it's in some ways incredibly simple. And if, especially if you have children, it's a great way to build that fluency in children and you know be learning it yourself. And the thing about improv so when you were talking, Chaya, it made me think of something. Tuesday night, I was rehearsing with my improv troupe because we're going to be performing for the first time live in 18 months. Amazing. Yeah. And I had told them about an exercise I had heard on a, an interview I did with another guest on the show, Matthew Stillman. He's also has an improv background. And he said he did this exercise. Um, I want to say that exercise was you know, called 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, something like that. And, and so I explained it to my improv troupe and we played it. And all it is, is two actors on stage saying numbers consecutively, one, two, three, except you say the numbers in such a way that you're communicating something very strongly. So you have this idea in your mind and you might, I might look at you and I might say, one, two, yeah, right. So then we're, I've accused you and you're like, not me, sister. I already got that. I love it. Isn't that great? Uh, yeah. we, we should, I should have done it longer. That was great. Thank you for jumping in. So I love that. Isn't that fantastic? So, and it just gives you goosebumps doing it. So um, that's a really, really fun exercise for people to play with their uh, friends, with their kids, with colleagues to um, give yourself permission. I mean, I did it with one of my improvisers and there were, there was emotions, there was tears, there was love, there was loss. (laughs) And that, you know, that was one to 20. We did. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. yeah. This is the nice thing with improvisation is space to kind of experiment with that. One of the things I learned when I was, when I trained in with improvisation was um, just about the position of your body, whether you're leaning forward or leaning backwards. And this is so valuable for leaders. When I'm training on active listening, when you're, and I remember my teacher saying, be in your toes because then you're ready to receive. You're ready, mm. you're open. If you're in your heels, and you, can, I can see this when a leader yeah. sits, a leader, anybody, when someone sits back in their seat and puts them their weight and their self into the back of their body, then you're in the back of your head and you're thinking about yourself and your wow. own actions and not open to receive. 
So, and I think that, and coming back a bit to the skills, active listening is one of those skills that absolutely need to hone along with emotional intelligence and, you know, being fluent with emotions, even understand, like, let's get a list of emotions and see whether this is actually um, familiar to you or what do we struggle with here? Do we know that we feel something when we feel it? Can we name the emotion? Are we able to name, even when I was talking about some of those barriers to being human, at the moment we're able to name the thing that is in the way, the thing that is that we're feeling, we already take some of the energy out of it. Yeah. And then we're able to process it because you can't process that. What I love to do, and this also comes from nonviolent communication, a huge mm-hmm. fan of that. So I'm so glad you mentioned that too, um, that behind every difficult emotion is an unmet need. So when I've had sessions with leaders where we talk about difficult, and, and I, I had a question once, which was, what do you do um, when you're in a conversation with a difficult person? Yeah. And I'm like, every person is a whole human being. But it could be that that person has an unmet need, which they're living out in this conversation. Beautiful. So your job is to find out what that yeah. need is yeah. and help them be seen. Oh, Chaya, that's a lovely note to pause on. Um, and when we come back, we're going to be hearing more from Chaya and the power of leading in the most humanly way possible. So now if you want to find out more about Chaya, you're going to want to check out her website, humanlyconsulting.com. That's H-U-M-A-N-L-Y-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. And Chaya, they can also reach out to you on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, I'm all over LinkedIn. So reach out. Chaya Mystery, her last name, M-I-S-T-R-Y. I have, yeah, sometimes I, I misspell things and put letters where they don't belong. So I just double check. That was okay, perfect. Good. Okay, good. <laughs> now, listeners, if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, you join me for my online leadership presence course. You can check it out on my website for more information, carolcoaching.com. And that's Carol Coaching with two R's and two L's. When we come back from the break, we'll be hearing more from Chaya. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Humanity Evolve with Catherine Calarco. To reach our show today, please call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or you may send an email to info at ccalarco.com. Now, back to Humanity Evolve. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Today, my guest is Chaya Mystery, and we have been talking about what it means to be a more human leader. Now, Chaya, I want to pick up something that I came across in some of your materials. You talk about this concept of Ubuntu. Did I say right? Ubuntu. Ubuntu which means what I am is a result of who we are as humans. I am not much without others. In other words, what I am and what I do impacts you and many others. In turn, what you do has implications for me and for others. We must therefore care about what the other does. I I think that's just, that's a, a powerful call for action and a, a demand to be responsible for our impact. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful. So first of all, credit does go to Nobantu, who is um, an incredible coach who's based out in South Africa. She's a real um, leader of, I mean, um, for a woman of color in with the experience that she has in coaching and, and the work that she does is incredible. So please do look her up. I'm hosting um, a session on Ubuntu if it's something that folks are curious about, which and she is leading. How can people find her? Sorry. Um, I, she's on LinkedIn, so they can have a look. I'm on my site. I am advertising her session, and there are lots of links, um, as well as an article with a bit more about Ubuntu. And, um, and so, Ubuntu, if they just type in U B U N T U, though, will they come across her? Um, most likely, yes. And otherwise, okay. Nobantu is her name. N O B A N T U. Okay. So, um, they can they can take a look um, and check her out. She's an incredible woman, and I'm really glad to have kind of made a connection with her um, because this philosophy really spoke. So it's an it is an ancient African philosophy that um, Nelson Mandela spoke about, that Desmond Tutu spoke about, and it's about the power of the interconnectedness that we have. And like I spoke about, how there's a lot more than what the West has taught us. Um, about what good leadership is and also about how to connect with each other. If you just think about, I, and one of the, the kind of phrases within Ubuntu is, I am because we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the fact that if I'm really being myself, like really being myself, if I'm showing up and I'm able to touch on the things that I I might have missed, I might have done wrong or um, that I'm not sure about, but also the things that I know are my strengths and the things that I can really sense and I'm, I'm in touch with, with myself, 
then when I interact with another person, I'm able to be fully with them. And only when I'm being myself, can that other person be themselves? Because something happens in us when we're both being ourselves. I found that so powerful. Yes. As I'm listening to you, one of the um, things I do to challenge myself, what I sometimes I have to push myself. It's really important for me to be fully self-expressed. I'm not doing that all the time everywhere. Probably, probably would be a little bit scary for some people. And it would be scary for me sometimes. So it's true. I'm not doing 100% of the time. Though there a lot of times I'm in environments where I realize, oh, this is a safe place to be fully myself. And so I, I might have to push myself there to remember to not play small. And sure enough, Chaya, when I, you know, and it happens a lot at women's conferences and nonviolent communication conferences and all these different so like self-growth development uh, kind of environments. And when I'm fully myself, more people are willing to be their self as well. So you're absolutely right. I see like I'm modeling something. And another place obviously is in my improv world where we give ourselves loads of permission to be fully self-expressed. Yeah, it's incredible. And the, I think there's an art in staying with that that recognition like, oh, I'm doing something different here. And often it's even catching yourself when you're not being yourself. Yeah. Like I have this incredible FOMO of um, when I see – and what I call mm-hmm. – and what is not, I haven't coined the term, but comparisonitis. If I'm like seeing someone doing really cool stuff and I'm like, oh gosh, I have to do like this. And I can hear myself do it. For years, I learned to be like, stay, I was staying with that energy. I wasn't being myself. I was leading from parts of me that were, um, that were learned parts, learned, learned from like protecting, coping, you know, I want to fit in, I want to belong. And I didn't know where that came from. So the more I could explore and even be able to catch myself and go, oh, wow, look at me, that's FOMO. Oh, I just, okay, have some compassion. And, and like we talk about compassion and empathy and leadership. It starts with ourselves. Like how yeah. do we talk to ourselves? Yeah. How do we go, you know what? Yeah, I have total FOMO over this situation. And I forgive myself and I'm okay with myself. And um, I journal quite a lot. So I think this, and everybody kind of needs some way to express themselves and and check in with themselves. You know, for example, for my husband, it's going for a run. He sorts and organizes things in his head by running. For me, it's journaling. So Mm -hmm. find the thing that allows you to organize yourself and Mm -hmm. check yourself and understand, oh gosh, what are my patterns so that you can, do do better, be better. And by better, I mean more you, the right. better version of you, the best version of you that you can be, the one that gets you to where you dream to be. Mm. Another thought that I have, I came across in one of your blogs. And in the blog, you talk about holding up the mirror. Would you... Say more about what that means and how does that support people to be more human in their leadership, in their lives? So I have been um, in the world of 
public relations, communications for quite a long time. Also stepping into the world of coaching. Um, you're in positions where you see what another person might not see. And you're also in a position where you have the opportunity to hold up the mirror. Um, and particularly in the coaching world, it's I, I almost see it as my job to ask questions that hold a mirror to the person. But now I think there's what I talked about in, in that um, in that blog was really talking about for a communication professional, when we struggle to be a bit more strategic, be able to um, hold a leader to account, hold, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, shift from a tactical to a bit more strategic, we put a mirror up. Now, when we do that, we have to hold it with a strong arm because yeah. if there's a moment of weakness where, where the person pushes back and, hey, it's natural to push back because when we're called out on something, it doesn't feel nice. So we should expect that it's not going to feel nice for them and they will possibly re react mm. negatively. But we, we, we need an almost a commitment to kind of keep that hold on that mirror nice. for just long enough um, and I don't mean like smash people over the head with the no, mirror because no. that's not going <laughs> to Yeah. And, and it's, I think a lot of that comes with creating the coaching environment, creating a space where it's okay for me to tell you what I see and experience. And I'm going to ask permission. I'm going right. to ask you, is it okay? I noticed something. Is it okay um, for me to just tell you a little bit how I received that? Mm -hmm. um, and then we start to be in a place where actually they're curious. Um, and curiosity is that lovely sweet yeah. spot where people are actually open to learn something that they don't yeah. know yet. Yeah. You know, Chai, I have a different approach. I might start adap adopting and adapting to your style. Though often when I say before, usually it's before a training because one-on-one -on -one, it maybe is less an issue. In a training, I'll be say at the beginning, you don't have to like what I say. You don't have to agree with it. Just stay open to it. And I even have them do this silly exercise. I say, and this is what um, being open looks like. <gasps> wow, really? So interesting. You know, and then I was with a, I was at IMD, uh, which is a, um, an institute for higher education here in Lausanne in Switzerland. And I had 50 executives looking at each other going, uh -huh, really? Oh, yeah, so interesting. And so it brought some silliness and playfulness to it, though it then what it does is that whenever that resistance comes, which it inevitably will do with when you and I are working with people, my sense is that it's we're no nonsense and we're going to get people from point A to point B. And sometimes it's going to be unpleasant or uncomfortable that like you described that sometimes they'll push back. Um, and it's in those moments I say, okay, yeah, remember, you don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. Just pretend to be open. And they're like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> and it's a weird yeah. thing because they think, don't I have to be convinced? No, not really. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think when we're in a space of like in, in a training room, in a coaching um, opportunity, we're not in the moment of when they experience the thing that we're talking about. So it could be... Um, if I just think about how, um, you know, there's a big change in an organization, for example, yeah. and a leader is in a position, they need to communicate the change. They're struggling with it. They're um, unable to pick up on the nuances of how this group of people they're leading are reacting to the change. Um, what I can do in a training room, in a coaching room, 
is nothing compared to what the trusted advisor, the communication professional, the HR professional, the business advisor, whoever is in the position, that person in that moment with that context, with all of all of that um, strength to their argument can say, hey, um, did you, you just said that, but um, I just saw a few people in the room react like this, you know? Um, so, and I think when we do that, when we hold up the mirror in that way, I think it's really important to come with data and science and information as well as your Mm. experience. Mm. So it doesn't feel like, oh gosh, well, that's your opinion. You know, and I think often it's easy to dismiss when something has felt uncomfortable, it's easy to dismiss it. Right. And where we can go, I know this is going to maybe feel a bit uncomfortable, but this is, this is what, um, this is what I see. This is what I experience. Yeah. And I think then it, it it does. And I often say with with um, communication professionals, is it has to come back to a common goal. What is the thing that this business needs that it's not able to achieve? In this in this case, it's a change program. It's not landing. People aren't moving and changing their behaviors. We all want that. How are we going to make that happen? What's in the way? Okay. How can we take those things out of the way? and listen more. So, you know, being able to sense and bring that kind of data in, that's, I think, sometimes our hands are tied when we're in a training room and a coaching room, but I think there's a lot of power in, in building that competence in-house and in, in those teams who, who mm-hmm. are there to support. Mm-hmm. So um, perhaps we can move to making this even more practical. Now, I know from talking with you, you have uh, – Four elements of, do you call it the four elements of collective? Is that how you like to say it? The human leadership collective? Yes. Yeah. Can we talk about that now? Yeah. This is your, your new baby? I, or is it maybe not so new? Yes. Um, so in May, you know, I had an um, email distribution list. So just a bunch of folks who were interested in the things I was doing. Um, but in May, I said, hey, I'm turning this off. Um, and I want to be, because I was sending blogs out and content out, but I just wanted to actually connect with people. So, um, I set up the human leadership collective and I was really clear that this is about human leadership and communication. So anyone who is interested, passionate, and wants to learn and grow in this space and kind of explore, um, and I'm in that process also learning and exploring from people in the community, then come along, come and join this thing. Um, and I've grown the group. So I went from zero. It was quite brave to just go, all right, I'm turning all of that off and I'm building something new. And this is something that I believe in and this is why yeah. I'm doing it. So the collective is made up of four elements. It's growing. It's like, I mean, this is since May. So, you know, we are co-creative in it. So, uh, the first part is the community itself. And mm-hmm. that is, we have a monthly call and we have a guild group, which is a kind of chat room. And it's just, you know, I can put inspirational things on there. We can have a monthly call and just have a check-in with each other and chat about some of the things that are coming up for us. Um, in the last call, we got into a conversation about leadership in the military, the Air Force, in those armed forces, and what what was leadership in the 1940s and what is it now and what what is really great and apl- applicable to 
the corporate world. Um, so fascinating conversation. We talked about the supply chain of gratitude. You know, it's some really strong topics of like the, the supply the, chain of gratitude. You need to talk more about yes. that. What does that mean? <laughs> um, this comes out of, um, I went to a conference and it was about um, how we, organizations have strategies and goals around the sustainability goals. Yes. Um, however, not many are able to operationalize them. Oh. Um, and it's coming back to this people profit planet is that right. do we still have our focus on, on profit? And um, I came oh, across only, this. only on profit. Is that what you mean? Well, is that part of the problem? I the question is, is it only on profit? I would, I would question people because um, have, have we got enough targets and strong enough operationalized targets? Are we actually building in the mechanisms of how for the people and the planet targets? Yeah. Um, what the conclusion of that, that um, conference was, was that we need a more compassionate style of leadership and we need to look at it from a systemic point of view, this systemic thinking, that it's interconnectivity. How is everything connected? There's not one line of supply chain. Everything is interconnected. Yeah. So how can you have a supply chain of gratitude? So for an organization, old stakeholder models would have put the company in the middle and all the stakeholders on the outside. Mm. But actually, there's the planet and society in the middle. And then it is businesses and, and governments and other elements of our world that contribute to the planet and society, or do we take from the planet and society? So this whole concept of the supply chain of gratitude takes it down to real granular level. What are we grateful for? We are we grateful for our employees because they keep our business running. Okay, but what about, let's go down. What about our suppliers? What about their suppliers? What about the, that person? Um, you know, in Guatemala, who doesn't have drinking water, for example. Um, and when we have gratitude and compassion for our own child who is thirsty or hungry, can we feel that same gratitude and compassion for mm. that person's child who is thirsty or hungry? Mm. So, and where do we water down that gratitude? So, really powerful concept. But and we had a great conversation in in the collective about it. We you know only kind of got started. So those kind of things come up in the community, which leads me to one of the other elements of that community, and that is to do a think tank. I call okay. it a think tank, but it's about picking these things apart because I do think, and I'm learning as I go. I I, I don't like to call myself an expert because I'm learning and growing all the time. I'm not done yet. When right. when I'm an expert is when I'm done. So I'm not done. Um, so then how can we think together and grow together? There are folks in that community who have such a lot of experience. Um, and when we put our minds together, let's, let's inspire each other. Um, so that's what I think the think tank is about. I have a little, little mini group within there, which is focused on research. So um, there are folks, including myself who are doing primary research on uh, human leadership and uh, elements that touch upon human leadership. Because when I was in house, I wish I had the data um, to be able to make the case for a more human leadership style right. or to actually, and I, I look at um, some of the, 
some of the early work I do with clients is is all about the conversations to help get buy-in for one person's a believer and they need the rest of the organization to become believers to, to buy into um, a, a journey and a development plan for the for that leadership team for that yeah. leaders for that team so um, yeah so the research is an important part of that um, and of course the good work the fourth element is really about the work we do with leaders and um, and about what do we do to actually really move the lead needle so you've got the research the think tank the, the monthly the monthly community call yeah and the fourth one and then the development offers for for leaders so that's that's coming that and I think that's just the work we do but when we share the work we do we help to lift each other up yeah so who who, who's um an ideal candidate for this collective who would you say you know as listeners are tuning in what would you say they are the, the kind of expectations or qualities you would want them to consider? So I did a little survey at the, at the start to see who, who's, who's joined, who's drawn to this. Um, and I, I think only a small, uh, let me think now, about 60%, I think it was, was communication professionals. Um, and another big chunk was coaches. Um, HR professionals and then leaders themselves who really wanted to explore. Mm-hmm. I think this is a place of um, to learn and grow. So if you're in a space where you just want to learn and grow and, and connect with other like-minded people, that's what the collective is about. It's it's a moving beast, you know. I think it's also about kind of trying things and seeing if they work. And if they don't, it's okay, you know. Um, Things, things that we have ideas about to explore them and discuss it with another person. Um, I love that in the Guild group, for example, um, one of the members put up a dilemma. Just you know, how do we how do we deal with this? This is something that comes up for me, um, and then we could actually discuss that. So we have time to think about it, but be able to discuss and unpick something that someone's struggling with. Yeah. So it's a place of generosity. Yeah. Before anything else. So mm. beautiful. So yes, if anybody's listening and finds that interesting, then you're most welcome to join and uh, you and, can find the link on my website. Okay, good. All right. So um, we're going to start to wrap up and I, um, I guess just before I, I, we move into the wrap up, I just like to take one more moment to see if there's anything else that you want to share that we haven't discussed today that, would be a nugget for listeners? Um, For me, I think um, anyone who's looking into this space of human leadership is expect it to be uncomfortable and messy Mm. and difficult. So um, often we can move away. And again, I go back to what makes you feel good and what doesn't make you feel good. Um, And remind ourselves of what the journey is that we're on and what we want to be, what do we want to achieve? Um, maybe that's as an organization, maybe that's just as an individual, but I, I do think that our ability to ride through discomfort will, will certainly help us being able to perspective take, being able to test out and try different things. Um, 
I think that's something that is essential to be able to really work on and focus on on a more human way of leading and don't forget that we're actually very good at this because we're humans right (laughs) yeah and I like how what I said earlier now that you talk about um, to understand human nature and communicate in a way which works with the complex unpredictable messy humans we are that um, it's not meant to be perfect or easy all the time though with that comes a great deal of joy I'm I know from my own experience yeah yeah. yeah. So Chaya, thank you for this. Thank you for this time. Um, do you have a last a call for action that you would like to pass on to listeners? Just an invitation to connect. So, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Chaya Mystery on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, check out this collective. So you can go to my website and uh, there is a navigation for human leadership collective see if it's something that you want to explore and come and join come and join one of the sessions um and yeah let us let me know like what i'd love to hear your reaction because this is one of the things with podcasts is that we talk into a space and i'd love to yeah. hear what that space comes back yes. and tells us. So, so so true and listeners to reach out to Chaya, uh, you can find her, as she said, on LinkedIn. Let me spell her name for you. Her first name, C-H-A-Y-A. Family name is M-I-S-T-R-Y. And then remember, you can also go directly to her website, humanlyconsulting.com. And my final call for action for you listeners would be, oh, no, I have two. One is play that game with someone, the the numbers game. Just go with it, one to 20 if you can make it, and then just see what happens. It sounds perhaps incredibly silly, and it's one of those things you can't appreciate until you experience it. And the second call for action is to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, and blunders, including your successes. And you can do that via email or social media. I'll read them and discuss them on future shows and make suggestions. You can also just drop me an email, amy at carolcoaching.com. Two R's, two L's. Be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up, and be inspired next week when I will be speaking with Colin Carroll, an amazing young man who happens to be my nephew. Other roles that Colin plays are writer, personal trainer, firefighter, Ironman athlete, and amateur evolutionary biologist. We're going to be talking about his recently published book, Fitness by Darwin, and you'll see how that ties into being an effective, powerful leader. Check out my website for more information, carolcoaching.com, or connect with me on social media channels, Amy Carol Coaching. And finally, if you're game for more, I'm going to be hopping over to Facebook Live five minutes past the hour for a short chat on today's call. Thank you, Chaya. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much, Amy. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.